0: Good morning. morning. If you have a Bible here in the room, if you're online, if you're in the chapel, I want to invite you to turn with us to Romans chapter 14. If you don't own a Bible, there should be a black one in the pew there in front of you. We'd love to give it to you. Or if you just didn't bring one with you, you can pull it out, Romans chapter 14. I want to celebrate something with you uh, before we jump in. Uh, We have a team right now that's in Peru Bringing the hope of Jesus to people that are in remote areas. And I received a message last night. One of the ladies we visited in one of the remote towns, she had suffered a lot of loss in her life. Her father was murdered. Mother committed suicide. Husband had died of a heart attack during COVID. That's a lot of loss. She had contemplated suicide herself. She had been praying for someone that she could talk to. One of the ladies on our team, Esperanza, had a similar story, experiencing the loss of her husband, and she was able to comfort her and encourage her. And she gave her life to Christ. Yeah, pretty cool. Vicente Castro, who's a part of our church, has been part of our church now for about a year and a half. Uh, He's a former missionary actually to Mexico, ended up leading a church in Mexico for seven years. He's just now part of our church, and he went on this trip. Apparently on this trip, we're working with four other churches, uh, four churches total, so three other churches. He uh, trained his team in a drama to share the gospel, and they went and they shared that drama at a university, and five of the professors gave their life to Christ this last week. Yeah, that's that's a pretty cool deal. They had the opportunity last week to see 241 people place their faith in Jesus. And here's what's cool. They're now working with local churches in that area. And this is what we do with our ministry partnership. Our goal, right, is not only conversion. Conversion is part of someone, right? coming to become a disciple to follow Christ, but we want to work with churches that can walk with them to help them learn to follow Jesus. And so they're now connecting them to those churches God's working. And thank you. Thank you for those of you that help make that happen by investing in our church. You know that churches aren't perfect. Uh, the passage we're going to see today uh, will probably discourage you. Last Friday, uh, my family and I, we got to go to the fair, and at the fair, there's the birthing barn. And we like to go to the birthing barn because the birthing barn at the fair has all the baby animals, and so we went in, and we saw the baby pigs and the b- different baby animals. Well, in the birthing barn, uh, there were uh, chicks that were hatching, like live in front of you. Now, I grew up with chickens in East Texas, but we would eat the eggs, so I never got to see this moment, right? So this, this, this was like big deal for us, and so I'm, I'm sitting there watching, and it was just unique, I'll say it this way. There's, there's a chick that's hatching, and I'll show you a video, chick that's hatching, and all that's come out of the egg yet is his foot. Now, his brother, in love, starts a fight. Even before his head is out of the egg, he starts... Picking on him, literally picking on his foot before he's even out of the egg. And I'm sitting there thinking, how, how can this brother start a fight with this baby chick even before he's born, right? Like, if, this is like, what? Like, first day of his life, and he look at him, he's like, get away from me, get away. Okay, I laughed as I looked at it because I thought about what we're going to talk about today. Brothers and sisters in the family of God having a fight. You know they found a man on a deserted island several years ago and he had lived there by himself for a long time and he had built three different structures. So they asked him why did you build three different structures? He said well this one is my home. This is where I eat and where I sleep and where I spend most of the heat of the day and so I can be out of the sun they said okay so why are these other he said well this is my church this is where I go to worship like every week faithfully I'll go to my church I'll worship he's like sometimes I, I'm, I'm a pretty good Christian sometimes I'll even go there throughout the week like on Wednesday nights and for other activities like, okay, that's interesting. So, so what's the third structure? That's where I used to go to church. <laughs> but I don't go over there anymore. We laugh, don't we? <laughs> but it happens all the time, right, that we get in these... Chapter 14, in the first part of chapter 15, Paul is going to be talking about conflict between brothers and sisters in the church in Rome. Some think that this was actually the occasion that prompted Paul to write the letter to Rome. Because we've seen in the letter that Paul is all about addressing both the Jew and the Gentile. Chapter 1, showing them the Gentiles not saved based on works. The Jew and their, their legalistic mind on them obeying the laws. They're not saved by works. and uh, We're all not getting to heaven based on our works. But Jesus comes to save us all. Like He's, he's at chapter 9, 10, 11 talking a lot about, okay, well, the Jews, yeah, they're going to be given another chance. And the, the, the separation between the Jews. So why did he talk all about the Jew and the Gentile? Well, it looks like, Chapter 14 and chapter 15, the Jew and the Gentiles in the church are having an argument about personal convictions, things that the Gentile thinks is right or not right, and that the Jew thinks is right or not right. Specifically, chapter 14 will say in verse 2 that it looks like there's someone who according to diet, thinks they should only eat vegetables. Probably the Jew. Why do we think the Jew? Well, in other letters that Paul writes, there's some that in this kosher diet have taken it to the extreme. They've actually added to Scripture, and not only should I not eat pigs or shellfish, well, there could be some of the meat that I might eat could be sacrificed to idols, so I'm just going to take all the meat off the table. You go on to read in verse 21 that that group of people were also saying, no, I'm not going to drink any wine. They were saying, that that would not be good for me. It was was conviction they felt. They also, you can see in verse 5, they they had not just an issue with their diet, they had an issue with their days. Uh, It looks like the Jews were wanting all the feasts and the holy days in the Old Testament to be practiced by all of the Christians. And the Gentiles that were placing their faith in Christ, they were like, hey, I like my bacon (laughs) and we already got our own Christmas why do I need that one and so there was this 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 disagreement going on in the church around things that they actually thought were right and wrong there there were genuine genuine personal convictions or even convictions they shared with other persons in the group but not everybody y'all ever seen that happen in a church before No, I didn't think you had, so we'll just skip this passage and we'll go to chapter 17. uh, What does God have to say about it? Stand with me, let's read. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions, Picking on your brother. (laughs) One person believes he may eat anything while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let the one who eats, let not, key word, not the one who eats, despise the one who abstains. And let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats. For God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant Of another. It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God. While the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be the Lord, both of the dead and of the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then, each of us will give an account of himself to God." Wow, big words. Bow with me. Let's pray. If you're comfortable getting on your knees, I want to invite you even to your knees or you can just sit down if that's not something you're comfortable with. Father, we need your help. Father, we, we need you through the power of the Holy Spirit to help us see what you told the church here in Rome and understand how it applies to us today. God, I, I have personal convictions, and every person in this room has personal convictions about things that are right and wrong. Uh, in, in specific, in this passage, maybe some things that, that are not fully clear in Scripture, or maybe, maybe ways we've added to things that are in Scripture. God, help us see what your Word says. God, I, I also confess that, that I struggle times, at times judging other people based on my convictions. God, I pray that you'd help me see what your word says about that. I don't, I don't know if there's someone for you, I'm talking now to you in the room, not just to God. If there's someone for you that you're struggling with just some strong judgmental feelings towards, a specific in this passage, others that would claim to be Christian. I want to invite you to confess that to God. Ask him to help you see if there's anything that you need to do different in that relationship. Pray for me that my words would be clear, that, that God would empower me to preach what the Bible says. Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right, as we continue, I can't believe Romans hadn't scared you off yet, but as we continue in this journey as controversial discussion, we recognize that many may have questions. We had uh, several text first hour questions already. And so um, if you have questions as we walk through this, you can text the word question to 96123. If you're online, you can do the same. If you have questions about what the Bible is saying here and we're jumping on those questions as we, we go through the week in the Q&A podcast. So again, this is a controversial passage of Scripture. We invite you to interact with this passage with us today. All right. How do we handle matters of personal conviction? How do we ma- handle matters? When I say personal conviction, we'll see in this passage... But these matters are not matters that are gospel matters. Paul refers to those things differently. How are you saved or not saved? They're also not matters that are just really clear in Scripture. These are, these are things that they've added to the Scripture to get to or that Christ in the New Testament has shown us things that could be debated over. But you're, how do you ma- handle matters that you're personally convicted about that others may not be convicted about the same thing. First thing he's going to say, he's going to say two things. First, something for us not to do. Second, something for us to do. First, what are we not to do? He says, do not look down on other Christians. Read with me starting back in verse 1. As for the one who is weak in faith, Now, he's going to talk both to those he refers to as weak and strong. And his point in the passage is not going to really be who's weak and strong. But he he sides with the ones he says are strong are the ones that are not having a legalistic interpretation of some of the other passages in the Scripture. That's what he says are the ones that are strong. But he's actually going to coach both of them to not judge the other and to, yeah, well, you'll see. He's going to talk to both of them. His point is not really in the passage, which one's strong and which one's weak. I know everyone in the room, you think you're the strong one, so join me. He says, as for the one who's weak in the faith, he's talking to you strong people. What do you need to do? He's welcome him. This is a key word in chapter 14 and 15. We'll see it again in verse 3, chapter 15. He's going to repeat it twice in a verse. This is an authentic, sincere acceptance of another person. Welcome him, but not to, he says, quarrel, not to have an argument, not to pick on your brother in the shell, not to quarrel over opinions. Now, we'll see here in the passage that these aren't just opinions about Dallas Cowboys or Philadelphia Eagles, That's not the kind of opinion he's talking about. He's talking about issues that are of personal conviction for the person. Things that they literally see, if you have the New Living Translation, what they think is right and wrong. He says, don't quarrel over what you think is right and wrong. Eugene Peterson, when he's writing His message trying to put the Bible in contemporary English. Eugene Peterson writes verse 1 this way. Welcome with open arms fellow believers who don't see things the way you do. And don't jump all over them every time they do or say something you don't agree with. Even when it seems that they are strong on opinions but weak in the faith department. Remember, they have their own history to deal with. Treat them gently. Wow. I'm convicted already. Keep going, verse 2. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Again, you can keep reading. That person also is going to have a conviction around diet and days Also conviction around wine. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. Let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats. Wow. What are we not supposed to do? He says despise. The word there, despise, literally means to see someone as beneath you. Don't look at people as as if you're above them and they are beneath you. And he says, let not you, uh, you, the one who abstains, pass judgment on. Again, he's talking to both sides. Don't pass judgment on the one who eats. The word there, pass judgment, is not a simple evaluation. Not that kind of judgment. This is a condemnation judgment. This is finding fault in the other. It's literally, again, looking down at the other. You're wrong. I'm right. He says, don't do that. Why? This a big key here that we'll see throughout the passage into verse 3, for God has welcomed him. Chapter 15, verse 7, if you want to skip over, therefore, welcome, again, authentic, genuine acceptance of other people. Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Why, 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 how? There's really no way for us to accept genuinely people with different convictions apart from realizing that God has accepted me and my sin, my mess. And if he's accepted that other person and their sin and their mess? Verse 4 Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master, again pointing him to God through Christ that has welcomed him, that he stands or falls and he will be upheld for the Lord is able to make him stand. All right. A little more context for this. Paul is writing this letter to Rome years after the Jerusalem council. Early church, something happened. They start sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ that you can be saved by grace through faith in Christ And people start saying yes to Jesus, and the Holy Spirit comes into their life, and they're saved. And the Jew that had the Old Testament just assumed, well, okay, since you are now part of Yahweh's line of sending the Messiah, you should also be circumcised, and you need to go through all these religious days and feasts that we're doing, and you need to make sure that you're eating the kosher diet that we're eating. I mean, this... But the Holy Spirit was saving them before they went through that whole process. And so there was this tension, like the Gentile was thinking, uh, I like my bacon, (laughs) I don't, what? No way, seriously? And so they got the leaders of the early church together in Jerusalem and they said, hey, what are we gonna do about this? Peter, Peter gets up in front and he's like, hey, God's accepting them. Why would we reject them? God's accepting them. Why would we reject them if they're not going through our laws? And this huge moment, huge moment for us, by the way, if you're a Gentile Christian, which is like 99% of this room, huge moment for us. James gets in front of the whole room, and he says, let's not make it difficult. If God's not making it difficult for them to enter the kingdom of God, Let's not make it difficult for them to enter the kingdom of God. You can read about this. It happens in Acts chapter 15, and so then they send the churches this letter that it, it must have been the greatest news these Gentile churches ever received. It was basically four things of just saying, "Hey, uh, let's not do sexual gross sin, and and let's let's uh, why don't y'all can you hang with us on these, but all of the cultural specific the no, don't braid your hair, don't wear clothes of mixed linens, no like. You don't have to do that to be in the church. Have y'all heard about that, the Jerusalem Council? That happened before, but still some 20 years later, the church is still arguing about personal conviction. Well, what does Paul say? Paul says, do not look down on other Christians based on personal convictions. (sighs) Can I sit down to do my meddling today? Yeah, uh, I don't know that many of you in the room have major issues with religious holy days and judging other people for that. Uh, I don't know that many of you in the room have issue with diet. Uh, Can I say as I studied this week, very convicted personally because I care more than I should about health. I really do. Uh, my family would tell you that they, they at times feel judged because of what they eat versus what I eat. And so that's like, it's convicting for me to read these, these words. So I, I do think that there are times in my own life where my conviction around, I need to honor God with my body, right? This is the temple of the Holy Spirit, even though it's a skinny one with a red face. That I can, I can take that, I can take that and I can judge other people based on my, and that's not not good. But maybe for you it's not diet. I grew up homeschooled. My wife went to public school. Our kids are in private school right now. It's amazing to me how many times I've found myself in a conversation with someone else who has strong convictions around which one of those kinds of schools is the best and they don't know my other connections to public, private, homeschool and they actually will speak down. And it saddens me until I realize I've got the same issue in other areas. Maybe it's not the school issue, maybe I didn't meddle enough, I don't know. Uh, Maybe worship style. You know these new worship choruses? I mean, la, 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 la. Where's the meat? Right? <laughs> we, we need the hymns. Right? Which, by the way, when you, those hymns came out, they were considered the la-la-las at, there at that time. But Or, or the flip side. The, uh, man, we need to relate to our... We need to reach people where they are. We need people that are outside of our walls to to hear music that they would be attracted to. And there's... Who's right? It's okay to have a conviction. Don't look down on others. Right? Have I meddled enough? I served at this first church. I've gotten to serve as a pastor. I served another church as a teaching pastor. I received in my box two letters about what people should look like at church interestingly, on opposite sides. One, pointing out something true that anywhere in our culture, when you show up in a place where you're attempting to show honor, you dress up. So what is the most important environment for us to show honor to someone, right? Church, dress up. The Bible even talks about what the priest should wear in the Old Testament to honor God. The other article interestingly enough was arguing for me wanting me to get tattoos as a pastor in our church. (laughs) Why? Well we want to become all things to all people so that they can come to know Christ. We want everyone to feel comfortable here. Uh, we, we want to reach those that are outside the walls. So I, I should probably, I should probably get a, a big eagle tattoo on my back and like just open that up every Sunday morning and be like, no, no, no. "Hey, I, yeah, what do we do with that?" Well, I'll tell you what we don't do. We don't look down on others. Uh, alcohol, we'll we'll talk about that more next week because it's in the text. It's one of those things, right? In the church, there's people who have strong convictions against it, and we're going to show you what to do. Paul says, "Don't look down. Don't look down on someone based on their conviction." Well, the Bible Bible says don't get drunk. It does. The Bible says wine is a mocker. It does. The Bible also says drink a little wine. It'll be good for your stomach. We're about to take the Lord's Supper, which Jesus said it was wine. Well, he turned first miracle with water into wine. The the wisest man who ever lived says drink wine in in the book of Song of Solomon. What? How do... It's okay to have personal conviction. And I I feel like God gives people Holy Spirit convictions oftentimes to protect you and people you are around from sin. And that's not a bad thing. But don't look down on others. Don't look down on others. So do not look down on other Christians. What do we do? What do we do? Okay, if we're not supposed to look down on others, what are we supposed to do? He's not done. Here's what he says. We're to look up to Christ. I think, I think we've got an issue looking, focusing on, getting our eyes on the wrong thing. Don't look down on others related to personal conviction. Get your eyes up and look to Christ. Look what he says. Verse 5. One person esteems one day as better than another while another esteems all days alike. Each one, he says, should be fully convinced in his own mind. I think this call by uh, by Paul in Christ, through Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, this call is something I think is extremely important. If you have a conviction and you see someone in the room that disagrees with your conviction, that may be a gift from God to show you that your conviction is not actually right. It's not in line with Scripture. It could be that. I think God desires for the church to be diverse so that people who see things differently that are around us, that can show us maybe blind spots that we have in our lives. The the multi-ethnic kingdom of God is the church, Jew and Gentile. But what does he want for us? He wants us to be fully convinced in our own mind. There's some thought work that you and I need to do around our convictions. We need to study what the Bible says and say, are my convictions in line with Scripture? Do, do Do I realize as I look at this conviction, does it really make logical sense? We need to do some hard right? Study and thought work to say, is this right? And if it's right, yes, be fully convinced in your own mind. By the way, uh, again, this is not about, you know, Paul gets, there are reasons to divide a church. Y'all know that? Uh, Paul in Galatians says, if it's a gospel issue, if anyone is teaching you that you have to do something other than repent, believe, and follow Jesus to be saved, he, he says you need, in chapter one of Galatians, twice he says that person should be cursed. Not just don't let them in the church. When was the last time you heard a sermon on cursing someone as a Christian? Paul says we're to curse people if they're teaching you a gospel that's anything else than you need to repent of your sin, believe in Jesus, and follow him to, get, to be saved. And then also, Paul, in chapter 5 of 1 Corinthians, Paul says that there's reasons to kick people out of the church. They're living in gross sexual sin. Like, y- y'all know the story of, like, there's this guy sleeping with his mother, or his mother, like, his wife, mother's wife, father's wife, mother-in-law, it looks like. Paul says it's not okay. So, so issues that are gospel issues should divide the church. Issues that are very clear in Scripture this is right versus this is wrong. That, that's, that's, that's important, right? Uh, here, here's a, a, a quote from the history of the church that's often attributed to St. Augustine. "An essentials, unity. Essentials is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what this book is abundantly clear on, we're going to be unified on, right? And non-essentials, liberty. For all things, charity, which is next week's sermon. How do we show love to those who have a different conviction? Okay? So what do we need to do? We need to be convinced in our own mind. We need to be convinced even on these non-essential issues, what should I do? And then what do I do? I look up to Christ. I look up to Christ and I do that for Christ. Look, the one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're going to say this is what's right for me, do what's right for you to glorify God. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord. Again, his eyes are on Jesus, not on the people he thinks are less than him or getting it wrong. He's like, I'm convinced in my mind this is what I need to do for the glory of God, and I'm going to get my eyes on him, and I'm going to do it in honor of the Lord and give thanks to God. Verse 7, For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. We die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again that he might be Lord, both of the living and of the dead. Do you see what he's saying? He's saying, what are we to do? You need to be convinced in your mind what is right and in line with your conscience as you study Scripture. And then you need to do that with your eyes on Jesus for the glory of God. If you can't do it for the glory of God, it's probably not right. But if, if this is what you believe in your conscience is the right thing, get your eyes on Jesus and say, God, look, all to Jesus I surrender, all to you I fully give. This is what, it's okay. It's okay if you have, you believe, hey, my diet, I want to take care of my, my, my temple. That's, that's, that's okay if when, I'm taking care of my temple, I'm saying, God, I'm eating this for your glory and your good. I'm doing this out of worship for you. It's not okay if I do it thinking, man, everybody else should be doing this. Y'all see the difference? Yeah? Look up to Christ. Do it for the glory of God. Get your eyes on Jesus. Serve Jesus. Say, Jesus, what would it look like for me to do this for you? I used to serve at a camp, uh, Camp Pine Cove. Pine Cove had a t-shirt, yeah, somebody else, Pine Cove fan, yes, Sam right over here, one of our translators served with me at Pine Cove, yes. So we, we had a leadership staff shirt that I would never wear because it said on the front of the shirt, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And I was like, wow, like that is like, Everything I'm doing, I'm asking everybody else to mimic, like it was just super convicting. But that is a direct quote from Paul out of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. The, the previous three chapters, 8, 9, and 10, Paul is having almost the same conversation with the church in Corinth, where they're arguing about what are we going to do with diet and days? And what his climax argument point is at the end of chapter 10, he says, I don't care if you eat or you drink, but whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. That's what he says. He said, I I don't care if you're you're eating the food sacrificed to idols or you're not eating the food sacrificed to idols, you need to do it for the glory of God. If you can't do it for the glory of God, something's probably messed up. Y'all with me? So what do we do about it? We don't look down on other Christians. We don't look down on Christians. We look up to Christ. Back to the video here in the... Just look at this. He's never even seen the world. And his brother is picking a fight with him. He's like, get away. Get away from me. Yeah, come on. Hey, if, if you're in... If you're in a relationship with a brother or sister in Christ right now, where this is going on, you're pecking at each other, you're swatting at each other based on a personal conviction. Here's what I want to invite you to do. Stop looking at your brother. Stop looking at your sister. Get your eyes off of them and get your eyes on Jesus. Paul, as he closes in verse 10 through 12, look what he says. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. Quoting out of Isaiah chapter 45. So then, each of us will give an account of himself to God. Interestingly enough, as Paul closes this argument, what he does is he says, don't pass judgment on your brother. I need you to think about your coming judgment. But the coming judgment that's coming for Christians, the word here in verse 10, the first one, judgment, is the same word judgment that we'll read over and over again in 15 in 14 and 15, that, that word judgment is the, the looking down on the despising. The, before the judgment seat of God is a totally different word in the original language. That judgment seat of God that's coming for Christians is the word bema. Have you all heard about the bema seat before? The bema seat that's coming for Christians in the future is not the seat of judgment. Uh, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, right, guess what? There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. The judgment for our sin, things we have done wrong, Jesus has already taken on himself. Those who are going to serve us, our deacons, I want to ask you to come forward right now. Those who are going to serve us, I want to invite you to come forward. This, this judgment for what we have done wrong, Jesus has already taken on himself. So the Bema seat judgment, the judgment that he's asking you to think about based on your convictions and what you are doing in your life is not the coming judgment based on what you've done wrong. It's based, the Bema judgment, Bema seat at the time of Christ was the place that was at the end of a race where they would award someone for winning the race. The Bema seat of Christ all that we've done wrong is burned away based on his his death burial and resurrection for us but what he does in and through us for his glory the things we do with our eyes on him fully living saying god i'm doing this for the glory of god he's going to reward at the bama seat of christ and so he invites us he invites us he invites us as he he argues get your eyes on jesus to put your eyes up and say hey we're we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ where he's going to reward the things that we do for his glory so here's what I invite you to do gentlemen if y'all want to take the trays and start serving it if you're in the room and you're not a Christian this is not for you this is a reminder for people who've placed their faith in Christ if if you're not part of our church that's fine Uh, if you believe Jesus died on the cross for your sin this is for you but this is a reminder that Jesus is taking the punishment, the penalty for our sin, and the sins of all of those around you that you wanna judge if they place their faith in him. And there's another coming future reward that we get to be part of if we live our life for his glory. So as we remember, we, we're gonna sing the song, Live in Remembrance, I want you to think about these words because they beautifully articulate, I think, what Paul would want us to think about before taking communion together today. Smash the like button, subscribe, share with friends, and turn on notifications if you'd like to stay up to date with us. And thanks again for joining us.